next Sunday, next Sunday is when we will talk about our theme. And don't forget, next Sunday we're also going to have a meal together. And when you arrive next Sunday, the chairs are not going to be in this position. They're going to be set up in tables because we're driving toward community. We're going to be sitting together around tables and we'll commune together that way and do that for a couple of weeks and uh, we won't do it for the, the the rest of the year but we want to make sure that we spend time sitting together in family units I've noticed that 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 some of you have swapped sides of the auditorium like I like I asked about a couple of weeks ago and I love that I think that's great uh, because you get a chance to, to sit with somebody that you haven't sat with yet and so I really appreciate uh, appreciate you doing that and so Anyway, it's just, uh, that's what's coming up next Sunday. There's sign-up sheets on the back, so we need to, you know, we need to get those filled uh, and with food, which I know will be good because I've eaten your food a lot, and it's awesome, and it's always going to be a good time, and anytime you have food. And, you know, bring a guest, bring a visitor, bring somebody with you that uh, likes to eat. There's a few of you out there that have friends that like to eat, okay? So bring them with them. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great kickoff next Sunday. I'm looking, uh, really looking forward to it. But today we're, uh, we're in this Romans chapter 12 passage. And I really like this scripture for, for what it talks about, what it, uh, what it says as we're talking about community and kind of thinking about that uh, throughout this year. Well, you've heard the phrase, it takes a village, right? What does that mean? When somebody says, you know, it takes a village, usually what are they talking about? Children. And what do they mean by that? Or what do we mean when we've said that? It takes a village. What do we mean? What? Help. Yeah. Have you ever said that about your children? Just give me a show of hand. If you believe it takes a village to raise your children, give me a show of hands. Yeah, just about all of it. And your parents are here this morning. Their hands definitely went up. They're like, yes, it still takes a village. But yeah, it does, right? I mean, it takes a village because we don't have all the answers, right? I don't have all the answers as a parent, so I have to look to those of you that are further down the line than I am to say, hey, look, try this, don't do that, or hey, keep doing what you're doing, you know? Just as, you know, there are people that, that look to us, and we get to kind of do that same thing, the things that we've learned from being parents. But it takes all of us kind of pulling together to do that, right? Well, you know, generally we think of children when we say it takes a village. But as we've been talking about over the last several weeks, you know, we've used the word community, we've used the word neighboring, we've talked about neighborhoods and surrounding communities and all of these things. And as I was thinking about the, these things over the last few weeks, for 2018, for Cornerstone, I kind of like this idea right here. It takes a community. For us, in 2018, it's going to take us together as a community to do the things that we want to do, right? And so we spent some time talking about that two weeks ago. We're going to talk about community today, and then next Sunday as we launch our theme, we're going to be talking about that some more but it does take a community. You know, these things don't just happen. It takes everybody. Are you with me? All right. 
I could not have been out of town at the drop of a hat last Sunday if it weren't for you as a community. Does that make sense? Okay. If nobody else was willing to preach, we'd have been in trouble. Right? But Tim says, I got it. I'll do it. John Smith says, I got it. I can preach. Okay? Jeffrey has said, I got it. I'll preach when I've had to be away. Okay? Uh, people stepping in and, you know, doing communion and making sure the call to worship is taken care of. Because normally I try to send those things out, but you know how it is when a crisis hits, you sort of have to just drop everything and, and go. And so all of these things that sort of get taken care of throughout the week, were, I, I, you know, I wasn't doing those things. But because this is a community, because we know how to pull together, those things all got taken care of. And so that's what it's about. It is about us pulling together, depending on one another. And it takes a community. We are a community of Christ, right? I like how, how Tim worded it uh, last year, year before last, Cornerstone, you know, not just a church of Christ, a community of Christ. And that, 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 that signifies family, leaning on one another, needing people, pulling together. So that's kind of what I've, been, what I've been thinking about. And so what I want to do just for really just, just a few minutes is I just want to meditate on, on Romans chapter 12 for just a few minutes. And the way this passage kind of breaks down is you look at, uh, you know, really verses 3 through 13, and it's talking, about, it's talking about unity, it's talking about love, it's talking about the, the community itself. And then as you transition to the second part of it, the 14 through 21, you have the church looking outward into the community and how you respond to that community. So let's just, uh, let's just read together, and then I'll stop and make some comments and ask some questions uh, along the way. Let's start, in, uh, let's start in verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Paul is saying, in view of everything that God has done for us, Present your body, present your life, present everything that you do before God. Everything that you do before God is an act of worship. You know, a lot of people confuse worship. They think worship is just what happens in a building like this on Sunday morning, right? If, if, if you have thought that before, raise your hand, I have, okay? I have thought that worship just happens on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, or Wednesday nights. But the more I begin to understand God, the more I begin to understand His church, I realize that worship is not something that happens starting at this time and ends at this time. Worship encompasses every part of life. Have you ever thought about that? That everything we do, the way that we go to work, the way that we interact with our neighbors, our co-workers, you know, the way that, that we, we get up and we go about our, our daily routine, like making sure meals are prepared and lunches are packed and children are, are ushered off to school and, and picked up, the way we send emails, 
the way we respond on social media, everything we do, worship encompasses all of that. And so as we do these things, we have to make sure that we're presenting our lives as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God because, let's be honest, we can do some of those things in ways that are not so pleasing, right? Right? Now, I know none of you have ever written anything bad on Facebook, right? Social media, none of you have ever spouted off on Facebook, right? I'm probably the only one in here that's done that, okay? And so I'll repent of that. But we have to be mindful of those things, okay? Because have you ever read somebody's Facebook post and thought, good night, what's going on there? Or thought, wow, I thought that person was a Christian. Have you ever thought that? I have. Maybe about some of your posts. I don't, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to point any fingers. Maybe not, but maybe. We have to present ourselves as living sacrifices in everything that we do, right? In everything that we do. Then you get into this, this unity, this love, this Christian community in, in verse 3. He says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts of the body don't have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul kind of gives us this metaphor. He's saying, look, you know, the body has different parts, right? Okay, right? I mean, who has a hand? I should see all your hands right now. Unless you don't have a hand. I don't mean to offend you if you don't have hands. Let me, let me, not, let me not stick my foot in my mouth. We all have hands, okay? We have fingers, we have ears, toes. Now, if you're missing one of these body parts, I'm sorry. But we all have these, these different body parts. Now then, we know that a hand functions differently than an ear, right? A hand cannot suddenly say to itself, you know, I kind of like the, what the ear does. I'm going to be an ear. You know? We don't hear with our hand, right? We hear with what? Our ears. Okay, our ears, and, and Paul says this in another place in the Bible, but our ears don't suddenly go, hey, I kind of want to be a foot and want to change positions with a foot. It doesn't work like that, right? Each body part has a, a different function. And so what Paul is saying is, look, we're the body of Christ. I mean, we refer to ourselves as the body of Christ, right? Our monthly publication we put out is called what? The bodybuilder, okay? Every single person that makes up the body of Christ, and, and more specifically at Cornerstone, functions as a different part, right? Now then, do we all do the same things? No. We don't all do the same things. Why? Why don't we all do the same things? Because, yes, true, because. Because why? Yes, say it again, Brendan. Different talents. We all have different talents. We all have different abilities. We all have different giftings. And that's what he's going on to say right here in verse 6. 
He says, according to the grace given us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Show mercy with, with cheerfulness. Now then, this is not an exhaustive list of, of spiritual gifts. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you can read about some more spiritual gifts. You can go to Ephesians chapter 4 and there is another list of, of four or five gifts. What Paul is saying here is that every single person who is a part of the body of Christ has a gift. Okay? So if anybody has ever convinced you that you don't have a place in church or that you cannot serve in some way, that person has lied to you. Okay? Every single person has been gifted in some way. Some people sing and have great facial expressions. I'm not sure about the spiritual giftedness part of that, but maybe it is. You know? I mean, she's got some great facial expressions. Those are nice. You know, you don't want to see a singer just, you know, mad. You know, like, like, like burning daggers through you while they're singing, like they're mad at the song. But some people sing. Some people teach. Others serve in, in, in various ways. Okay? God has gifted us in different ways. Some of you are really, really, really good at encouragement. Okay? I've received notes from you. Others in here have received notes from you. And it's just like, man, you knew exactly what to say right when I needed it. Whether it was something you said or a phone call uh, or, or maybe you know, it was a, a card or a letter, something like that. If God has given you that gift, use it. Use the talent that God has given you because if we don't use talent, what happens? Yeah, it goes away. It goes away. If God has given you something, if He has gifted you, and you know what your gift is, then your job as part of the body of Christ is to use that gift. Are you with me? And all of that, what does it do? It goes to build the body, to build together, to build the community. You know, use the gift. Okay, use the gift. And here's, you know, here's, what I, here's some of the things I see from, from this, this verse 6 right here. Is, is number one, we all, we all have gifts in the community. The second thing, we must use our gift. And the third thing is this, don't just consume. Does that make sense? You know what I mean by consume? What I mean by that is your existence in the body of Christ is just this right here. You come just on Sunday morning and you're just taking in, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with taking in. We all have to consume, right? Because that's how we get built up and, and, and lifted up. But we can't just consume, right? If we are part of the body of Christ, then what does that mean? We all have what? Gifts. If we have a gift, we must what? Use the gift. If we don't use the gift, we will lose the gift. Okay? So this year, as we think about community, 
I want you to think about, are you using your gifts? Are you living into the giftedness that God has given you? And if not, we want to help you find ways and spaces or opportunities to help you do that more, to help you use your gift in a way. And so that might mean that you come to us and say, hey, you know what, I think God has given me this gift, God has given me this calling, how can we use it? How can it be used to, to, to further what we're, we're doing here at Cornerstone? And we'll be glad to have those conversations with you. Because remember, this takes a community. Okay, It takes all of us pulling together, using all of our, our giftedness to accomplish what God wants, right? Okay, God did not set the church up where the ministers are it, where the elders are it, okay? Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, you all have gifts, okay? God depends on every single person in his church pulling together, working together. Does that make sense? Good. All right, so he goes on right here, and this kind of gets into some, some how to live as a Christian. In verse 9, Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. What's that mean? Let love be without hypocrisy. When you hear the word hypocrisy or hypocrite, what do you think of? Somebody that's fake, right? Says one thing, does another says they believe this, but then turns around with their life and shows you that they don't believe that at all. Okay, Literally, what this means is when it comes to our love, it can't be fake. You ever felt fake loved by somebody? What's that like? Nobody likes that. What Paul is saying is, look, be sincere with your love detest what is evil cling to what is good and then verse 10 i love this verse 10 right here love one another deeply as brothers and sisters outdo one another outdo one another in in showing honor what if we really made that one of our goals what would it be like for us if we said, I'm going, to, I'm going to just try to show honor to every person I come in contact with. Every person I encounter, I'm going to honor that person. I'm going to respect that person. I'm going to love that person the way Christ loved that person. How might that change our demeanor? How might that change our approach in how we do things? How might that change our first reactions to things? if our first response is to love and to respect and to honor and cherish someone. Verse 11 says, do not, do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know what that means? In all this love, in all this charity, in all this honor, when it says don't lack diligence in zeal, what that basically means is don't be lazy in showing your love for other people. 
Okay? We see the word zeal and we think, you know, we think of a really excited person, right? Someone that's just over the top. But what this is talking about right here is when it comes to this love, when it comes to this good, don't just kind of, you know, lollygag into it. Don't be lazy with it. Show love to those who need love. Don't hold it back. Give it generously. Be fervent in spirit. That means be, be at the boiling point for Christ and His care and His mercy and His grace. And be, be, be at that, that, that point where it is almost overflowing out of us. Where people feel the love of Christ coming from us. You ever been around somebody that claimed to be a Christian, but you weren't really sure because you didn't feel any love coming from them? Okay? I know people have been around me and felt that. Okay? I want to do better in that. I want us to do better in that. So that when people are around us, they feel that love, that, that, that generosity, that spirit come boiling up out of us. It says rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in need and then pursue hospitality. You know, that's one of the things that we've been talking about too this year as we have challenged one another to spend more time around tables together. That's about being hospitable. About having table fellowship with one another. Because, and I think our life groups are a great testament to this, if you spend time together with somebody, usually what's the natural reaction? You get to know them better, right? You get to learn about their life. You learn about where their, their struggles are. Um, I'm, I'm going to put her on the spot for just a second, but Debbie Spears was talking to me before worship. This morning, she was kind of asking about Bethany and how she was doing and asking about her mom and, and all of these things and asking if she had family around her, which, which she does. And, and Debbie said that, you know, when she lost her husband, she didn't have any family around her. What pulled her through that was her life group. And that group of people extending hospitality to her, loving her, spending time with her sharing meals with her, just letting her talk about her life and loving her. That's what we want to do this year, is we want to pursue hospitality. We're going to do that together corporately around tables, but we also want to encourage individual families to do that. I want every single family to have another family in their house for a meal this year. Now then, one, we can do one. One is like, okay, got it, check. But if we're pursuing hospitality, that means we've got to keep getting after it, doesn't it? And so I want to challenge you. Spend time this year with other people around your table, sharing a meal together, sharing life, pursuing hospitality. And not just people here, people outside, our neighbors our co-workers, people that live around us. Okay, so then it gets to the, to the second half of the chapter. And this is kind of how the, how the church 
responds to those outside. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now that one's easy, right? Yeah, easy, no problem. We got that one. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Easy, right? You know, now, again, this is talking about people outside of the church. Probably none of us are so hard-hearted that when something bad happens to somebody we don't particularly get along with, we're like, yes. Maybe you are, I don't know. But probably not. It is a much harder thing, though, that when somebody you don't particularly get along with or care for has something good happen to rejoice for them. Is it not? That's tough. But you do realize living in and being a part of a Christ-centered community requires that of us. To not just weep with those who weep inside the body and outside, but to rejoice with those who rejoice, whether we get along with them or not. That's a tall order, is it not? But that's what being a part of the body of Christ is about. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Okay, we can do those. Then you get to verse 17. Do not repay evil for evil. That's tough, right? Because if somebody hurts me, you know what I want to do? I want to hurt them back. If somebody strikes me, you know what I want to do? I want to strike back. Why is that? Because we think that is going to bring justice, right? But to be a member of the body of Christ says that when evil is done to us, we do not respond in It means just what Jesus said. If someone strikes you on one cheek, what do you do? You turn the other cheek. And that's not easy to do, is it? Because we want to fight. We want to strike back. But you realize the call of Christ is to approach people open-handed not with closed fists. And sometimes it means if this is what you're going to do to me, this is what you're going to do to me. I still am going to love you as best I possibly can. Paul says, give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now Paul gives a he kind of gives a condition there. If possible, live at peace with everyone. Paul knows that that's going to be difficult to do. You and I know that it's just impossible to live at peace with everyone, right? But what Paul is saying is, as long as it depends on you, as much as you possibly can, you do your best to be at peace 
If there's strife, let it come from the other side. Don't be the cause of strife. You do everything in your power, trusting upon God, leaning upon the Holy Spirit, embracing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And you live at peace with everyone as much as it depends on you. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave, rooms, leave room for God's wrath because it's written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. If he is thirsty, what? Give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his, heads, on his head. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. All that's really easy, right? That's a tall order that Paul has just laid out for us, right? I don't want to be a church that is known as like a strike-back church. You know what I'm saying? I want us as a church to be known as a church that lives this way. That seeks to bring peace where there is no peace. Right? That seeks to make things on earth as they are in heaven. Right? I mean, we can look around and, and, and recognize pretty quickly that things on earth are not as they are in heaven. As followers of Christ, that's our role, to make things on earth as they are in heaven. How do we do that? Well, Paul's just given us a pretty good list of things right here. Detest what's evil. Cling to what it's good. Love one another deeply outdo one another in showing honor serving the Lord rejoicing in hope being patient in affliction being persistent in prayer sharing with the saints pursuing hospitality blessing those who curse and not cursing those who curse rejoicing with those who rejoice weeping with those who weep living humbly instead of proudly, not returning evil for evil, living at peace, not avenging ourselves, but leaving room for God to do His work, loving our enemies. If we are a part of the body of Christ, this is what God calls us to. If we are going to be a community of Christ, these are the things we must be known for. That kind of love. That kind of grace. That kind of endurance. If we are going to love our surrounding communities, this is the kind of stuff that needs to describe our walk with Jesus, right? 
it's tough to love somebody you don't get along with, right? So who do you need? You need a community, right? We need one another, right? You have gifts that I don't have. You have the ability to see things that I won't see. You will have a different perspective than my perspective. And when I'm tempted to go off half-cocked or whatever it might be, I need you to say, wait a minute, pump the brakes, pull it back. Why don't we try this? I need you as my community. Does that make sense? We need each other as community. It was demonstrated to us beautifully this week. As we went away to be with Bethany's family, I didn't have to worry about a thing. That's community. That's the body of Christ. Saying, we got this. We've got gifts. God's given us the ability. You go do what you've got to do. We'll take care of it. Each of us needs community. We need one another. Let's pray together.